Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared. Welcome back to another hour of sound, all based around the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast. The standard is the standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and with me, as always, my co-host, Lance Color Rush Williams. How's it going, Lance? I'm chilling in the place to be. Call me CR for short. C-Rush. <laughs> Color Rush. <laughs> All right, yeah, and I think those jerseys are going to be awesome when they debut them, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as it gets closer. But before we get started with the show, we do have to talk about some of our sponsors. Our show is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania and northern West Virginia, home to one of the nation's top 100-ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker, also sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Go to centerfieldsmoke.com. Okay, Lance, believe it or not, even though it's the preseason, we have had a lot of stuff going on uh, throughout the course of this, well, I guess the past week even. Um, We have a lot to talk about. I think that what's important to talk about first is Vince Williams, yesterday evening, it was announced that he got a contract extension, a three-year contract extension. Now, I apologize to listeners if I haven't seen it yet, but I don't think it's been released yet where the monetary obligation to the Steelers, how much he's getting paid in that extension. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the contract itself, which rumored, I guess it's now been said that he has been in contract negotiations with the Steelers since the beginning of training camp. Um, what were your thoughts on the deal? And then also, what does this mean for Lawrence Timmons in 2017? Well, one, because we don't know the contract details, that you could pretty much assume that the contract is a modest one because it's in the best interest of agents when they sign guys to whopping fat deals that everyone knows. And that's pretty much an advertisement to the players and to guys coming out of college that I'm an agent that gets good guys or gives guys really fat contracts. So because we don't know the terms, it's probably a modest deal. In terms of what it means for Lawrence Timmons, it means that it's the end of the road for Lawrence Timmons. Lawrence Timmons is owed a big number this year, I think to the tune of about $13 million. He was Mike Tomlin's first number one draft pick. He's been with the club for at least eight to nine seasons plus. 
and I think his days are numbered. I think what Vince Williams will provide for the Steelers is a physical in-the-box thumper, a guy that's a stopgap guy. Because the contract is probably modest, you can keep him around. He also gives you depth, and he gives you some special teams play. But I would imagine in the 2017-2018 season next year, Vince Williams will probably be your starting inside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree with that last sentiment, but I disagree with your comment on Timmons. I don't think that it's a lock that Lawrence Timmons is going to be done. Um, yeah, he's actually due a salary cap hit of $15 million this year. $8 million of that is in his salary. The other seven is money that's been deferred to the back end when they keep kept restructuring him earlier in his contract, and they're going to pay him that full amount this year. And that's so that they don't have dead money if they choose to release him. Still think if Lawrence Timmons has a good season, there is a strong chance that they could bring him back. Think about what they did with Darius Hayward Bay. Think about what they did with Robert Golden, Ramon Foster. They could definitely give him a two, maybe even a three-year contract, knowing that they can cut him after two years maybe. I'm not sure if they want this was a Vince Williams is going to be a starter contract. Like you said, if it was a big money deal, it would have been announced how much money it was, and it'll come out eventually. But still, Lawrence Timmons is a productive linebacker. Is he as fast as he once was? No. Is he the have the coverage skills that he once did? No. Does he have the versatility that he used to, where he used to be able to play outside linebacker and inside linebacker? No. But is he still a quality inside linebacker? Absolutely. So what I'm saying is that I would not be shocked, because I don't know if Timmons wants to play anywhere else, if he doesn't sign a very team-friendly deal next year, like I said, two- to three-year contract, not more than, I would say, ah, shoot, tough to put a number on it even, $4 million a year, something like that. I mean, you look at those guys I named in Golden Gay and Foster, they all signed in Hayward Bay, very team-friendly contracts. Do you think that's the possibility of the it's just going to depend on what the market will bear. If there's a player in the market that will give him a salary close to what he's getting in this final year, then he's gone. It'll just be the market. The market will determine it. If the Steelers were in fact what the market's going to bear, because we always, or we're, we never typically look at it from the player perspective. You know, does he want to play for that reduced number? I mean, he's getting eight plus million this year. You know, the physical toll, the sacrifice they put on their bodies, the years that they played. You know, does he want to strap on the helmet for four million? Me, I mean, I'm a broke guy, so absolutely, I would say yes. But you know, when you've been making that type of money, and you know the physical sacrifice that it takes to get in that type of shape, you may not want to do it for four million. You might just say, "Look, man, I have rings. I'm good. Uh, you know, it's time for me to hang this up." But we'll see. But a lot of it, again, will, will, will be, you know, what the market bears and if there's a player out there that's willing to pay him close to what he's getting for the Steelers. I would surmise no, uh, but I'm not ready to put a percentage on whether he'll be a Steeler next year. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. Now, I will, do want to say to anyone listening live right now, you can call in 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. We're going to put you on hold for the, the rest of the show. So if you want to wait and call in at the end, you can. We're having an interesting game we're going to play tonight. We want callers to call in. 
Um, it's a game of if this happens, and we'll explain that a little bit later. But if you do want to call in, we're going to hold all the calls until the end of the show. Speaking of contracts, Lance, Vince Williams got his. I don't think anyone had him as the first contract to be done in this preseason. Is David DeCastro next, or do you think that it doesn't get done between he and the Steelers, and they might have to wait until after the season? And I want to say this one thing about Vince Williams. I love that they brought him back because Vince Williams is a mini Joey Porter. He has some of that crazy that Joey Porter has when he made the statements last year challenging Vontez Burfick. So I love that the Steelers are embracing a guy like that that has that type of edge and plays that thumper type of physical linebacking play. I love that physicality that he brings. But, but but correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, the Steelers will not do a deal after, let's say, the final cuts or the last preseason game. There, there's a date around there, and if they don't redo your deal, then that's it. They're not going to talk about a deal until the next season. Do you know that exact date? It's not until, as far as I, I'm concerned, I've always thought it was up until the first game, like when the regular season officially starts. I remember the story. I just wish I knew what the date was in terms of relative you know, relative to the preseason where Troy Polamalu got his big contract, where he was literally in the airport. He was in the airport terminal when he signed that contract. I think they were on the road getting ready to go to their first week one game, and they got the deal done. Um, Cameron Hayward, I want to say his might have been uh, in the last week of the preseason last year when he got his contract, when he was in his fifth year of his rookie deal. Uh, there is time, and anyone that follows NFL contract negotiations knows that they'll put it off until the last possible second, and then you only need a, you only need really, if you get an agent that's willing to do a deal and a team that wants to do a deal about a day to iron out details, and then it's done. So I think a lot of fans that might be thinking, oh, well, what's taking so long? Well, it might not take as long. They just need to get to the table. But do you think DeCastro is next? Do you think that they're going to run out of time and he's going to have to wait till after the year, or maybe he's going to walk? I think he's going to get a contract. I would imagine that the framework of the contract is pretty much ironed out, and they're probably just going to wait till the last minute to get it done. And just, you know, because right now, if there's time, we think that there's time, so there isn't any rush. There's only a rush until you get to the deadline. And that's one thing that people don't understand with contract negotiations is you have as much time as you need until you don't have time. So I think they will get something done. I think they value his play. He's what they want. He's developed into that linchpin of a right guard they envision, and I think they will get the Castro done. He's super valuable to that offensive line, and if you really watch the offensive line play closely, even – in just the, the two series that Marquise Pouncey played in the last preseason game against the Eagles, you saw their that right side, the ability to really get north to the second level. They're just so athletic, and they just bring so much pain. They're great in pass protection. They're great in run blocking. He is, like you said, the linchpin of that offensive line, maybe second to Pouncey as a center. Very important that they get a deal done. I'm not going to be optimistic if it doesn't get done prior to the season, but we'll see. Time will tell. Now, one thing that time is going to tell us, and that is the time and date, finally, of the James Harrison meeting with the National Football League. The last week when we had our show, Lance, we were talking about whether James Harrison should meet with the National Football League in regards to the PED, which stands for Performance Enhancing Drugs, for those that don't know. 
PED allegations by Al Jazeera report that stemmed all the way back to the middle of 2015. The NFL threatened suspension. Everyone assumed that they would meet. They are going to meet. I want to say it's on the 30th. It's at the Steelers facility. James Harrison said that he's going to have multiple lawyers present. He's going to have the Players Association present. And he said they're not going to find squat. And he basically said it's a waste of time. Uh, so James Harrison's meeting, I think we both agreed last week that that was going to happen. Do you see any way that James Harrison could find his way get suspended out of this deal? Or do you think because he's cooperating, it's all just going to blow over? It's going to blow over. He's cooperating. And he's maintaining his innocence in the matter. So I suspect that they won't find anything. But I think it's all going to blow over. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's you know I think the NFL is flexing its muscle, but also you know, it can't be shown up by a player. And I think at this point they want him to participate. I don't think there's anything there. As long as he does participate, he'll be fine and he'll play. I would I wouldn't imagine that he's walking into a sandstorm so to speak, when he's in that meeting. He probably they probably pretty much know what's going to be discussed and what's going to be asked and what the outcome is going to be. Although he's going to have multiple lawyers and a ton of representation, he's going to be advised if there was something there, if there was some smoking gun there, he's going to be advised not to address it anyway. So I, I think yeah. James Harrison will be playing week one on Monday night, September 12th, against the Washington Redskins. Now, this this has kind of stemmed into another story, and it hasn't gotten a lot of publicity. The, the Pittsburgh media has, has written it, and it came from the Pittsburgh Steelers NFLPA representative or their rep, and that is Ramon Foster. Essentially, you've been hearing some pretty big-name players, one in particular that has been very vocal about the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, and the effect, to the effect of the, how much power Roger Goodell has. Now, we all know that the Pittsburgh Steelers, James Harrison has said this repeatedly throughout this entire escapade, is we were the only team that voted no because we didn't want to give this guy that much power. And it was Aaron Rodgers. Now, the reason why Aaron Rodgers is talking about this is because two of his teammates, Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers, they're being drugged through the same mess that James Harrison is. And they asked him, what are your thoughts about Goodell having so much power? And he basically said, the only people that can be can be blamed is us because we're the ones that signed the CBA. So what I'm getting to is the fact that Ramon Foster the other day said players need to start saving. They need to start preparing for a lockout because basically when this thing ends, it's going to be ugly because I think they see that a lot, I, I personally believe that the last collective bargaining agreement was signed in haste because they were worried they were going to lose a season. Uh, do you see the writing on the wall that – if when this one ends, I want to say it's 2021 maybe, that there's going to be another lockout and it could be a really, really bad one? It's hard to say. I mean, because in the interim period between now, the five years to 2021, if that's the last, if that's the end date of the CBA, you know, it can be amended because, for instance, there was changes to the drug policy and the discipline policy. They became more specific. There was more teeth to them. And and so, and that was agreed upon by the union and the league. So there's time to continue to have discussions about 
discipline for the next five years and to make some modifications to the policy. However, yeah. if that doesn't happen, I think it's going to be a contentious fight. But part of it's on the players right, for, for signing the CBA, but Roger Goodell does bear a lot of responsibility. Although you have the power, there's a way to use it. And I think he's, I think he's used it improperly, and I think that is going to be a major point moving forward with the players and the league. Yeah, I think if the owners are smart, and they've, like you said, they've been making strides in terms of the drug policy. One that we're going to talk about here in a second is the appeal process. It used to be that Roger Goodell was the jury, the judge and the jury for both the actual case and the appeal process, and they've changed that now. All appeals go through a third-party ar- arbitrator. But if they're smart, if the owners are smart, they go to Roger Goodell and they say, look, our money's on the line here. Players aren't happy. We need to start making some changes. And so they could, like you said, make some changes that are subtle yet very meaningful that could help prevent such a catastrophic lockout. And I say that loosely because, let's be honest, I mean, when you talk cat- catastrophes, an NFL lockout is not considered one, but for all the fans that are out there, it could be. So speaking of rulings and, and arbitrators, something we talked about months ago, which was Le'Veon Bell suspension. And I remember we had a poll on Twitter that said, do you think Le'Veon Bell's suspension is going to get wiped clean? Do you think he's going to have the same suspension? Do you think it's going to be reduced? We both said that we didn't think anything was going to change, that he was basically going to have the four games no matter what. And lo and behold, it gets reduced to three. What were your thoughts when you heard about that suspension being reduced to three games? Were you surprised? And did you hear about the whole settlement thing, which has not gotten a lot of publicity either? I want to make one point about the lockout and owners. Unless something has changed, still going to get paid from their TV partners if there is a lockout. So, to some respects, unless that's changed, the owners are going to make their money regardless. And owners, ownership is always going to back Roger Goodell. That guy could find a dollar anywhere on earth. And because he's so good at creating revenue, I mean, the guy is selling the same game on three networks simultaneously on Thursday. I mean, if you could do that, they're going to side with him in any matter. In terms of Le'Veon Bell, I was surprised that it got reduced. I thought it was going to be the four games. But given that his status in the drug program didn't change, there must have been some significant legitimate reasons as to do that. And that whatever his excuse was was legitimate, but policy they still needed to suspend him because he still missed a test regardless of the excuse. So he was going to get some punishment, but because the travel excuse seemed legitimate, it got reduced. And more importantly for the Steelers, it wasn't, he wasn't advanced in the program, and it's pretty much been stated and it's evident that he didn't actually fail a drug test in the sense that he was taking a substance, and he failed. Yeah, it, it, it's a real sticky situation for me. You know, you, you hear these nuggets of information regarding this settlement that he 
the Players Association and the NFL had. And a lot of it was contingent on the fact that he was not going to be leaving his current level in the substance abuse policy. I don't know if this is true, and maybe you heard this rumor. I heard a rumor that the National League was offering to let him actually all be suspended for the opener, the first game, but he would then be facing, if he got busted again, a 10-game suspension if he were to miss a test, fail a test. We know they're one and the same. And he turned that down and elected to have three-game suspension and stay there. I don't know if that's true. I, I, I hate saying that. But I heard that as a rumor. Did you hear anything about that? I didn't hear that rumor. And if that's the case, I mean, he may be looking at it in terms of this gives him more time to recover. And, you know, it's fewer games, so he may be fresh late as opposed to taking the 16-game hits. And with D'Angelo Williams, you know, maybe there's the thought that we can maintain in the three games. I can be a lot fresher late and a lot more healthy later in the season because I am coming off a major knee procedure. But, you know, not having that 10-game suspension over your head is significant because if you get popped and you get the 10 games after you get that pop, then we're talking about serious issues and some serious trouble. So to not advance in the policy, it is a pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of, you know, his health and, and the team's health overall, I think that we would all agree that the Pittsburgh Steelers throughout this first several months, I guess it was a little bit over a month since they reported to uh training camp, or I guess almost a month to the day, uh, They've been a pretty healthy bunch. Now, yeah, they had the Senquist Golson injury. Bruce Gradkowski, your boy, went down. They're dealing with some uh, minor bumps and bruises. Uh, Bud Dupree is hampered with a groin. He hasn't been able to do anything this preseason. Um, they're getting ready for what they call the final dress rehearsal, the third preseason game. And Mike Tomlin said in his press conference today that everyone that's healthy is going to play. That means that Ben Roethlisberger is going to play. Antonio Brown, D'Angelo Williams, Marquise Pouncey, obviously, and we're assuming Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to be interested to see if Bell plays, because if he doesn't, I think they're going to shelve him all the way until he comes back from suspension, like you said, to keep him fresh, to keep him healthy. One name, though, that I, I think that is worth noting, because everyone's excited about seeing Big Ben and, and the offense, and rightfully so, but Artie Burns came back to practice this week, and, and Mike Tomlin was very optimistic that we might get to see the number one draft pick on Friday night against the Saints. Is there any particular players that you're looking to see uh, or units um, in terms of the game on Friday night when they go down to New Orleans to play the Saints? I'm going to be the broken record. I'm going to say the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Artie Burns, I want to see Artie Burns, and I want to see that young secondary continue to get better. I'm confident in the front seven. I'd like to see Bud Dupree come back because he's been a little banged up, but I'm not concerned there. But I I do want to see that secondary, and I want to see Artie Burns. I want to see what that secondary is going to bring to the table in this season because, again, and I'm going to say it over and over and over again, how that secondary plays is going to be vital to the success of the Steelers. On the offensive side of football, I just want to see the the, the killer bees get back there and do what they do. Uh, you know, and I want to continue to see the Castro and Pouncey work because I thought Pouncey looked real frisky in that game. He looked like he was so ready to play football. 
and, and he just looked like he was chomping at the bit to get after it. And did you notice, Jeff, didn't that offensive line, didn't it just look that much more cohesive? Villanueva looked a lot better. They looked a lot more athletic. It just looked like it was clicking. It looked like once the big man was back in the center of that group, that the group just settled down and said, you know, we're going to play some really good football this year, but we're going to kick some fannies. It did. You definitely see the difference. And, and, you know, people last year when Cody Wallace was in, and and Cody Wallace did a tremendous job filling in for an all-pro player, but that doesn't mean that he is the equivalent of that all-pro player. Marquise Pouncey just gives the offensive line so many more options. He's so versatile. And a lot of the times it's those intangible things that you really can't see. I think he's great at diagnosing uh, pass protection. He's obviously great at getting to the second level and, and with run blocking. And a lot of people aren't a fan of his due to injury issues. And some say that he's just overhyped. I don't buy that for a second. I think he's every bit as good as, as advertised. And all you have to do is watch the tape. You don't have to sit here and listen to me. You don't have to listen to Lance. Turn on the tape. Watch. Just focus on number 53 in the middle of the offense, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Does he sometimes get overworked and overmanned by those really big nose tackles? Think of Vince Wilfork. Well, yeah, a lot of centers get overmatched by a player like Vince Wilfork, especially when he's in his prime. But, no, you're right. The offensive line looked good. They're definitely gelling. The one player that I think really they they could really miss this year, and I, I hate to say this, I've said this before, but I guess I didn't think as much as, as – I didn't think they'd miss him as much as they were going to. That's Keith Miller. Um, when you watch Jesse James out on the edge when they put the tight end in tight um, and expect him to block and as run blocking or pass blocking – it's very inconsistent, very inconsistent, and he has to improve that. And, and honestly, without Matt's faith in the, in the fold, they don't have a pure blocker at tight end. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Roosevelt Nix play some tight end um, and then maybe even see them throw out another tackle, whether it's – I doubt it would be Ryan Harris, but possibly um, as protection and passing downs instead of as a, as a tight end. Uh, I think the offensive line is a, a bright spot. For me, though, I'm looking at – for this upcoming game, I will, I hope that Drew Brees plays. Um, I want to see Drew Brees, an elite quarterback, going against the Steelers secondary, like you mentioned. And I hope Artie Burns plays a lot. I don't want to see him out there with the starters. He shouldn't be out there with the starters. He hasn't earned those repetitions yet. But I want to see him get a lot of reps. I want to see the other team throw the ball at him a lot, test him, see what we'll, see what we have. That's essentially what, what I'm saying is I want to see what the Steelers have in their number one draft pick for this upcoming year. Offensively, I want folks to remember last year, Lance, I don't know if you remember this game, last year when they played the Buffalo Bills up in Orchard Park in the preseason, everyone was super excited. Martavis Bryant was like the only player that showed up on offense. The offense looked like garbage. They couldn't do anything. And everyone was just hitting the panic button like they were beating a dead horse. And it's just calm down, you know, it's just the preseason. If, if Roethlisberger doesn't go in and lead them to a touchdown in the first drive, it's not the end of the world. All I'm looking at is, does he not get hurt? So that's what I'm looking for. Um, what are your thoughts on just the game in general? Uh, I don't know if you remember that Buffalo game or not, but people were ready to jump off the bridges in Pittsburgh after that game. I remember the Buffalo game last year because Martavis went nuts in that game last year. 
I was like, oh my goodness, wow, he went nuts in that game. That was that, that was very memorable. Uh, but you know, I'm looking for, of course, within the state, you know, stay healthy, be injury free. Uh, but I would love Drew Brees to let loose on that secondary. I want them to take every bullet that they could possibly get in this preseason because that's only presumably going to make them better for the regular season. And this is going to be the absolute test that they need. A guy that's cerebral, make all the throws, read the field, get you in and out of good plays, and attack mismatches. So they're going to get it in honest. And this type of week of preparation for those young guys to face a guy, a, a bona fide Hall of Famer like a Drew Brees, is only going to make this football team better so they can perform on September 12th. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, if you're the head, if you're the head coach, you're Mike Tomlin. How long do you have the starters in for on offense and defense? I'm gonna go a half, get them some work, try to get them in shape. I'm gonna go a half, and maybe even a series into the third quarter. You know, you, they each play one series into the third quarter, then I'm pulling guys. But yeah, I, I definitely play on the half. You know, you, know, you want Ben Roethlisberger to play? You want Big Ben to play until the yeah. third quarter? Yeah, maybe one series into the third quarter, uh, depending on how the game goes. I I would think that they probably – I mean, it's probably a field thing, but, you know, they might want them to play three series, maybe three to four series. Um, Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, you you can protect them easy. You can protect them by running the football. I mean, so there's ways to do it, but I'd like them to get some work. I mean, you can protect guys, but at the end of the day, it's football. And, you know, guys get hurt, unfortunately. And so if Ben is going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. Hopefully he doesn't. But, uh, you know, you got to dust the guy off. He's got to play. He's got to get reps. He's got to get up to game speed. And and part of that is playing in preseason because it can't always be simulated in practice because I'm sure he's having whatever colored jersey on to where if somebody gets into within seven zip code that they might get cut immediately. So this work will be good for him on Friday. Uh, yeah, I can't disagree more. I wouldn't even play him in the game. I mean, we had this debate. I wrote an article <laughs> for the website the other day, and I said, you know, what do you have to prove by putting Ben Roethlisberger in there? Yeah, I know he said he wants to play, but ultimately he and Antonio Brown are already on another level. And so, yeah, a lot of commenters said, well, Eli Rogers doesn't have a good rapport with him. Sammy Coates, you could say the same thing. Darius Hayward Bay needs as much work as he can get, and even Marcus Wheaton hasn't played. I get that. But at the same time, you know, Mike Tomlin's famous lineup, we don't live in our fears. Well, typically those fears that he's talking about are regular season games. Why would you want to put yourself into those fears that is a meaningless exhibition game? Uh, I just I just don't like it. I, I don't know why. I just think that Roethlisberger is at the point, and they used to do that with other quarterbacks, so they would just sit and watch the entire preseason, and they would be fine. I think he's at that stage in his career but if they're going to play him, if I'm the if I'm the coach, he's playing a quarter. If he gets one, if he only gets one drive in that quarter, I put him out there for a second, and then I'm like, all right, you're done. I've seen enough. Uh, but it looks like Tom is going to play him. I doubt he's going to play him long. And then we're going to see a whole lot of Landry Jones again, and then some Bryn Renner. I hope you're ready for some Bryn Renner. You even know who Bryn Renner is? No, I don't. I thought he was an actor. <laughs> In, the, in, a, in a magnificent seven western that was coming out in a couple of weeks with Denzel Washington. Does he have a SAG no. card? He probably has a SAG card. He's probably he's part of the Screen Actors Guild, isn't he? 
Yeah, I don't think so. He was a quarterback yeah, at North yeah. Carolina. They picked him up. He's been bouncing around, and we're gonna get to see. Hey, get your get comfortable watching Bryn Renner. All right, he's gonna light it up. I'm not sure about that, but still. Um, before we go into our next statement, well, I guess I should say anything else to say about the the Saints game coming up Friday. Are you good? I think, to your point, I think the coaching staff will probably do a combination of what we said. Is they'll gauge it and they'll play it by feel. If they're heating Ben up and the pass protection is bad, they will be getting his butt out of there immediately and giving him some inside joke, pink Himalayan salt. <laughs> that is an inside <laughs> joke. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, it's an inside joke between me and Jeff. I know you guys don't know about the pink Himalayan salt, but they'll be pulling him out of the game as quick as possible. Or just on the other token, if he goes out there and he heats it up and they come out there and they go bing, 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 touchdown, bing, bing, touchdown, touchdown, bing, bing, come out as well. So we'll see what happens. And we'll all cross every thumb, finger that we have for him to not get injured. Absolutely. All right, so before we go into our next segment, which is the time to call in callers, if you're waiting to call in, call in now, 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. Please call in. We want to get some callers interaction. We have two on hold, and uh, hopefully we get a few more. But before that, we get a word from our sponsor, Frank Walker. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of frankwalkerlaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or frankwalkerlaw.com. That's right. The standard is the standard. It's sponsored by Frank Walker Law. Law Frank Walker Law. Easy for me to say. The top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia, home to one of the nation's top 100-ranked trial attorneys. That's FrankWalkerLaw.com. Also, Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. That's CenterfieldSmoke.com. Make sure you check out our sponsors. I kind of hope you don't need Frank Walker Services, but if you do. Go to FrankWalkerLaw.com. Um, it's yeah. All right. So here's the next segment. We've been talking about this. Uh, I should have plugged it on the website if we had thought about it earlier. If not, maybe this will be an ongoing um, segment for us throughout the season. And it's a, a game of I decided to call it if this happens. Um, and Lance approached me. I don't know if it was today or last night. And he said, "What if we have callers call in and we answer the question of the Steelers will win the Super Bowl?" If this happens now, clearly when you bring up a scenario like that, uh, something as grand as winning a Super Bowl 51, you need to know that health is going to be important. So we asked callers, if you do call in, if this happens, so for instance, if this, the Steelers win the Super Bowl, if this happens, I, we don't want to hear everyone say they stay healthy. We get that. They have to stay healthy. So I'm going to ask you, Lance, give us a good example the Steelers win Super Bowl 51. If this happens, what is that if? Came up with a couple. Can I give you two? Yeah, sure. Okay, the first one is if the Steelers finish in the top five 
of defenses' turnover margins. So their plus on defense in terms of turnovers is in the top five. That's my first one. Now, I want to say, just, I say that, that just, it wasn't, I don't know if you have the stat in front of you. I think in 2015 they were around 10th in turnover margin possibly. No, I don't have – that sounds about right. They were really good last year in turnovers. I think they were about yeah, 10th. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. So that, that's the one, and it's because of extra possessions. And the other one is if the Steelers points – and so you have the stats, you know, points that you score, points against, points for and points against. So if the difference of points for and points against, uh, the margin of difference in points per game is plus five or greater, then they win a Super Bowl. I'm going to go plus seven. I'm going to go plus seven. If they're winning games by seven or more points per game, they'll win a Super Bowl. They'll win Super Bowl 51. Those are my two. Yeah. I think that the first one's a little bit more achievable than the second. Have winning by a plus seven margin uh, on average or by week, that's tough. That's real tough now. That, that's, Could this that, that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that's supernatural. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that kind of leads into mine, which I thought of just one, which was the Steelers win Super Bowl 51 – if they average those 30 points a game that's been their goal for the last two years. They were close last year in 2015. I want to say they finished around 26.8. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, callers. But it was close to 30, but it wasn't quite 30. Everyone assumes that if Roethlisberger didn't get hurt last year, they would have easily eclipsed that mark of 30 points per game. But we want to hear from you now. What is it that you're thinking of and it, again, it can't just be staying healthy. What would be your the Steelers win Super Bowl Fifty One if blank happens? So Lance said turnover margin. He also said average uh, margin, or I should say the differential for winning every game. And I gave you points average per game. So if you were listening live and you have one on the top of your head, please call in. That's three four seven. Eight five zero eight five eight one again three four seven eight five zero eight five eight one. We have two callers on hold. I think we know who this first one always is. Our Hall of Fame caller Vito from New Jersey. How's it going, Vito? Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Summer is almost come to an end. Football's right around the corner. Just wanted to point out a couple of things. I thought. I thought last week the offense did a great job of moving the ball. I mean, we were moving the ball pretty nicely on drives. Nice balanced attack, you know, running attack and nice passing attack. Landry Jones looked good, and I think the only thing that made him look bad was when he made those mistakes, which turned out to be interceptions. But I was very, very, uh, you know, excited about the offense moving the ball, which I thought was a plus. I think the problem is, you know, we as fans are constantly focusing on the negative and not on the positive enough. Um, I think we win the Super Bowl if Ben has – a great year, uh, doesn't throw as many interceptions at times where he shouldn't, because you notice he could have some great games, and then he could have some games where he just makes some throws where he forces them in there, and it, it costs us the game. Remember the Bengals game, for instance, we were winning by a small margin. He threw that pick at the wrong time, and that cost us the game. So there was one or two games, which if you look at the end of the season, where some costly mistakes were made, is the difference between us needing the Jets to lose and us being, you know, maybe 11 and 
and five at that moment. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know with the Ravens, they said we would have won if we had a better kicker. That was one, and I think that Bengals game we were winning. If Ben doesn't force that throw that turns into an interception near the end, we probably pull out a win there. So there's two wins right there. So we could have easily been 12-4. and four. So I think we win if he does a better job of not making those stupid plays often enough because the guy could be great at times, and then at times he looks like he just forces things. I don't know. He's unsure of it. So that's my take. Um, let me hear what you guys have to say. So let me be, Vito, can I, can I make you narrow it down some? Sure, so sure. So a lot of times, as you well know, you know, one of, one of the metrics that they value quarterbacks, you know, they evaluate quarterback play is, um, you know, touchdown to interception ratio, like two to yep. one, three to one, yep. whatever. Give yep. me a number for Ben for Ben Roethlisberger to be at for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say 36 on touchdowns, and I'm going to say 14 on interceptions. So that's like three to one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think that's I I really don't think that that's not doable because the guy is in a position in his life where it can be done. I mean, we have the firepower to do it. We have a great offensive line as far as protection goes. I mean, back in 2005, I think, and even maybe in 2010, I don't think the offensive line was as good as it is today. I mean, we have a much better offensive line. He's getting sacked a lot less. So it's just a matter of him making better decisions where some games he does not. And think about it. If he's getting rid of the ball, you know, in two, three seconds like he's supposed to, and even if we're getting the short pass yardages, which are three, four, five yards, those little things will open up to bigger opportunities. I'm with you on that, Vito. I can, I can go with that. I can see that, three yeah, to one, cool. three and a half at, to one. Look at last week. Look at last week's game with Landry Jones. When we were inside the 20-yard line, we just got a first down. Why do you need to make a 20-yard throw? Why not take the short stuff? Three, four, five yards, a couple of those. I mean, that's the key, right? Those little things lead to big opportunities. So now maybe you're inside the 10-yard line, then you take that throw into the end zone, and maybe that does become a touchdown. Now you're probably less likely to throw the interception. I mean, if you look at baseball as a for instance, if a batter gets up 10 times, he's only going to get three hits. So that means the other seven times he's not getting a hit. So I think you could use those same numbers in football. So is Ben capable of throwing three touchdowns a game? Why not? Well, he should be able to. I mean, look, he had two games in a row where he threw six and six, which is 12, right? So, you know, I think he should easily be doing three touchdowns a game. I mean, if Tom Brady's able to do it and some other elite quarterbacks are doing it, there's no reason why he can't. I mean, he's got the firepower to do it. He's got the offensive line protection protection up front that he hasn't had in years. So, I mean, I think he's very capable. Now, you bring up a good point, Vito, and I also, the first thing that you said in your comment, which was talking about Landry Jones, um, I do want to make sure, I, you know, we, we touch on that because that was your first topic that you brought up. Um, I wrote an article shortly after, I want to say that maybe aired on a Friday or Saturday, where I, I wrote an article about how I thought there were some really good things out of that game, especially offensively. And if you look at the game against the Detroit Lions in week one, Landry Jones was the quarterback. I focused on primarily first-half statistics in those games, the Detroit Lions dominated time of possession, first downs, 
average yards per play, uh, plays in general. And then when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, it was the polar opposite. Now, I understand that a pick six is going to sway the time of possession and plays in one direction, but you watch the game, and ultimately the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, offensively and defensively, when it came to the starters being in, or, or I should say the first string uh, at that time, Landry Jones is clearly not the starter and quarterback. They did a good job moving the football. They possessed the ball. They got those first downs. Uh, they didn't necessarily have the big playability, although they did get a couple big plays to us. One was Sammy Coach down the sideline with a great catch. Um, they showed balance. They rushed for 50 yards in the first half. They had more first downs. They created opportunities. The problem was that when they got those opportunities, like you mentioned, Landry Jones literally threw them away. So there were some positives. There were definitely some positives. And I agree with you. The fans tend to think more on the negative than they do the positive. But real quick, before we let you go, Vito, I want to ask you a quick uh, question of in, in regards to the uh, if this happens game. And you brought up Ben Roethlisberger. How many games does Ben Roethlisberger have to play in for the Steelers to win Super Bowl 51? We'll say regular season. I, I'm going to go with the same as last year, 12. Because if you think of how close we were, because if you guys, I mean, you guys, you're with me on this. When we go into Denver, if we have Antonio Brown, we probably escape that game with a victory because it's a different game when you have him in there. I mean, you know what? If you tell me, I know Martavis Bryant is Martavis Bryant, but let me tell you, son, if I had to pick between the two, I'd rather have Brown in there just because of what he brings to the table, just because he goes above and beyond. I don't think Martavis Bryant goes above and beyond. I mean, there were a lot of games where he was there and he didn't make big plays. He dropped some plays. So, to me, and, and I read the articles, and, and even the Hall of Famer today who said it was one of the wide receivers said that Antonio Brown goes above and beyond with the way he practices, just with the way he does mm-hmm. things. So if we had him in that game, there was no way we escaped that game with a loss. I think I think most because, remember, when he handed off the ball to Toussaint and he dropped that ball, there's a good chance if Brown is in there, maybe Ben throws that short pass to Brown. Now, I'm not saying that 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 was the game, because even after that fumble, we still didn't lose the game. So, you know, that, so if he's in for 12 games, I think we have a great shot of being in the playoffs and going the distance. Now, we don't know if we would have got through Denver, if we would have got through New England, because we've always had problems with them. But I would love to see us have New England at home in one of those yeah. playoffs games, because I think we would have a better – uh, you know, opportunity to win at home with our crowd versus, you know, being where they are. So I think 12 is the number. All right, Vito. Thanks for the phone call as always. Have Thank a good you, one. gentlemen. Appreciate what you guys do. All right, Lance. Uh, let, let's talk about this quickly. He said 12. What's your number? How many games does Ben Roethlisberger have to play for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl or we'll say focus on just the 16 regular season games? What's your number? What are you in a what are you in a wind tunnel? What the hell's going on? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm practicing flight. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to fly. You know, I've got a cape. You know, I am Superland, so sometimes I do drop my cape and fly. Uh, but I'm going to say 14 because I think if he plays 14, that gives the Steelers the best opportunity to secure the number two or the number one seed. Because one of the big points that Vito made, and he kept saying it, because you know, obviously the game was in Denver, was the word Denver. You know, if Ben Roethlisberger plays 14 games maybe last year, 
maybe the Steelers aren't in Denver. You know, maybe Denver has to come to Pittsburgh, given the fact that they beat Denver head-to-head, and, and maybe Toussaint Lowe for sure doesn't drop that ball or fumble that ball at home or, you know, things just, you know, tend to bounce differently for you when you're at, when you're at home. So I'm going to go with 14 games. It, yeah, it I, think, magic I, I think they could survive 14, but if they really want to have that first seed, he's got to play a full season. Like if they want the road to Super Bowl 51, uh, he's got to play a full season to me. I, they'll make the playoffs in 14 games, but if you want that home field advantage, just like what Tom Brady does up in New England every year, you got to play in all 16 games. So uh, if you're waiting to call in, now's the time to do it. 347-850-8581. We have another caller on hold. Let's get this uh, person on the air. 865-951-1946. Rama, Jeff, and Lance, go ahead. Hey, guys. Good talking to you. Uh, this is Rich from, from Tennessee. Uh, and I get most, I get, uh, most of my uh, viewers' news from you guys. So I kind of feel left out and left field because I don't, I, I can't read the newspaper or anything. Right. But one thing bothers me is if uh, Eli Rogers gives a reasonable impression of Martavis, then maybe maybe that's the key to going somewhere with this. Oh, hey, I got some people. Hey, um, I, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> all right, all right, Rich. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> you there, Lance? You still there with me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Rich, had, oh, Rich had company stop over. I guess Rich had company stop over. He said, ah, I'll talk to you guys next week. What the hell? <laughs> I love that, man. He's such a, a yinzer, like a southern... <laughs> Like a southern twinge to it. Maybe it should be rich, aka southern yinzer. That would I mean, be a good one. If he if he has a BTSD, uh, if he doesn't have a username yet, it should definitely be the southern yinzer. That would be great. Um, he brings up a name though. I think that is worth talking about a little bit. Uh, we haven't talked about him much. Uh, he's been, I would say, the the training camp preseason darling for the Steelers, and that's Eli Rogers. He's the second-year player out of Louisville who went undrafted uh, in 2015. He suffered a broken foot last year and had to miss the entire season. What are your thoughts on him? But not so much on him, but how do you see the Steelers? Let's be honest. I think he's going to make the team. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. But how do you think the Steelers are going to use him outside of special teams in the offense? Uh, I think he's just going to be a special teams player. I think if he gets utilized in the offense, It'll probably be next season, depending on what happens with Marcus Wheaton. But right now, I think it's going to be tough for him to take snaps away from DHB or Wheaton or Sammy Coates. Because I think they're going to give Sammy Coates the look. Although, if you were to go by the preseason, he's outplayed Sammy Coates. But because he's not coming into the program, with the same pedigree as Sammy Coates, I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to contribute in the offense much next year. But I like him as a player, and I love what he's been doing in preseason. 
I think he'll be able to contribute a little bit more than what you're you're alluding to. Um, if I'm if I'm Todd Haley, uh, Darius Hayward Bay, Sammy Coates, I'm in red zone situations when the field gets shortened. I'd rather have guys that run really good routes than players that are known for blazing speed. It, it just kind of takes away their their strength, their forte, so to speak. It takes it out of the out of the equation. Put him in there in that situation. If you go four wide, take Le'Veon Bell, put him out in the slot, put Eli Rogers in the other slot, you're going to have some mismatches with Wheaton and Brown on the outside. Um, that could basically be a really good package for them to run in the red zone. I think he's going to have some of those packages uh, like that, meaning wide receiver packages. He's not going to play a lot, barring an injury, but – I think he's going to be able to contribute some. He's proven that this preseason. Okay, Lance, I've got one more for you. We don't have any other callers, and um, I have one more for the if this happens games. I'm going to say, because last year the Steelers had 48 sacks. They ranked third in the National Football League. I'm going to say that the Steelers will win Super Bowl 51 if they are able to get 57 or more sacks on in 2016. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So that's that's Whoa. that's saying that they would that they would go and they would increase their sack total by nine. So okay, nine so let's, more. Let's, let's stick there. Let's stick with the fifty-seven. I love you pick fifty-seven because of the significance of the number. Heinz fifty-seven. I love it. <laughs> you, you do things subconsciously, Jeff, and you don't even know it. That's how much of a Steeler guy you are. There Big you go. All right. On that, you didn't say fifty-six <laughs> or fifty-eight. You said fifty-seven. Right. Okay, so that's eight more sacks. Where nine. are they coming from, and who's getting them? Or nine? I'm sorry, nine. Where are they getting them from? Who's getting well, them? I think I think the majority is going to be from Tewitt and Hayward. Again, I think I think Hayward okay. could have a better better numbers than he did last year, and he had seven and a half and led the team. I could see him possibly okay. getting to nine. Okay, I think okay, so that's Stephon- two additional. I think okay, Stephon so Tewitt, that... I believe Stephon Tewitt had six last year. I think he could have almost – I think he could possibly tie Cam Hayward. I think he could get to nine as well. So that's so plus that's three. That's an additional – how many that, – from those two guys, that's additional what? That's additional three. Three, three and two, that's five. That's five. We still need four more. Bud Dupree, I think, at least is going to get seven if he's healthy. He had four last year. Those came in the first four games. I think he's going to be better. I think that he's definitely going to see a significance, and we'll say he'll get seven. That's three more. So now all I need to find is one more sack. And you know who I'm going to look for for that one more sack? (laughs) I know who. (laughs) Your boy. My guy. Busta, you know. (laughs) Start calling him Busta Rhymes. Busted I think, I think Jarvis I think Jarvis Jones could make up that one sack. Now you you kind of laughed at me. I heard your tone. I've been doing this long enough with you that when I said fifty seven you probably were like, You are out of your mind. You can't tell me that that pretty logic much. doesn't pan out. You can't tell me that logic doesn't pan out. That's pretty simple stuff. I mean nine sacks apiece from two interior guys. Those guys that's are freaks, that's... man. Those guys are free. That, that's tough, man. Fifty-seven sacks. I don't know who what team led the league in sacks, but would have that have been the the, the NFL leading total last year? Fifty-seven. Um, I they were third with forty-eight. Um, I don't think they were too far off from second. Uh, let me do a quick search here. But so you don't you don't think that Tewitt and Hayward could both have 
eight or nine. Because even if one of them has eight and the other has nine. I think that's going to be very tough. But I don't want them to have 18 sacks between them. I would love to get that type of production from the outside linebacker guys, and they stay around seven and a half, seven to seven and a half. So I think if they have to get – if they have to get 18 close to 20 sacks from the interior guys, I, I don't know. Okay, well, here are the numbers. But if that happens. Here are the 2015 numbers, okay? Denver had 52 and led the, led the NFL last year. Um, New England had 49, and Pittsburgh had 48, okay? Then let's go back to 2014, because I think it's important that we go back there as well. 54 was the number with Buffalo. So if they got 57, even if they got 56, they would be setting a new mark since, well, I, I could go back to 2013, but I'm not. I just think that if the one thing I've seen in the preseason that I haven't seen in the past that I really like with Keith Butler going into his second year is, number one, they look like they actually know what they're doing. I mean, think back to week one last year. Remember, they're all pointing around. They forget to cover Rob Gronkowski, and everyone's like, what in the hell is going on? They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing this year, and they're being aggressive. He's blitzing guys in the preseason. Just imagine what he's going to do in the regular season. You know, you you talk about, okay, so let's let's say Cam Hayward gets to eight. Stephon Tuitt goes up one to seven. I wouldn't be shocked if someone like Ross Cockrell gets two. Um... Mike Mitchell or Robert Golden gets one or two. He blitzes his secondary a ton. I'm just saying that I think that he's so aggressive that he kind of lives and dies by it, and that's one of the reasons why their pass defense was so crappy last year, and they ranked 30th in the league. But I'm sticking to my guns. I, if they definitely were to get, I guess you could even say 55 at this point. I didn't, I didn't realize the numbers from last year were so low. 55, I think they're on their way. Because if you have 55 sacks, you probably you're in the top three again, and you're going to help out that secondary by doing so. And ultimately, you're going to give the offense a chance to really dominate games. So that's what I'm saying. If you if you said top three, I would agree to you. It, it's just the number. 57 is a lot of sacks. But if you said top three, I would agree that they win a Super Bowl if they finish top three in sacks. Because top three in sacks will get you the turnovers that I want. I talked about when I gave my couple – and you get the turnovers, got to get you the extra possessions. Well, in turn, which you'll probably convert into some points, which will get the scoring margin bigger and close to seven. So if they get the top three in sacks, I, 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 I'm going to say Super Bowl. I'm going to say seven rings if they get top okay. three in sacks. I would agree with you. So you go back to – I went back to 2013. Carolina had 60 sacks in that season. Buffalo had 57, and the Raiders had 53. So if they were to put up 57, that would be the highest total since 2013. So uh, we don't have any other callers, Lance, and now's the time where I typically give you a chance to kind of sound off about anything you want to in regards to the Steelers. What do you got for us tonight? No rants for me. I just want to give a special shout-out to my wife, Linda Williams. I'm going to be celebrating my 17th wedding anniversary on the Mm. 25th of this week. So I want to say – Thank you, baby, for the journey and for the ride. I hope to have many more years to come. Absolutely. And I want to send out a quick shout-out to uh, Behind the Steel Curtain uh, contributor 
Christopher Carter, who has filled in for Lance on several occasions. He did the the final score podcast with us uh, for the past two seasons. Um, he is moving on from behind the steel curtain. He is taking a job with uh, DKPittsburghSports.com. He's going to be doing film breakdowns for them. That's going to be formally announced, I believe, on Friday. Um, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I kind of feel like, you know, at this point, my coaching tree is kind of spreading. You know, you coaches always have that coaching tree. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like my guys are all leaving me in, in different ways. It's my coaching tree. It's just spreading. My roots are spreading. So, hey, you know what I'm talking about. But congratulations, Chris, if you're listening to the show. I couldn't have happened to a better guy. I'm super proud of you. I hope you do great things over there and, and give people – a good positive image of a blog like behind the steel curtain. Cause no one gives us any credit in the actual real journalism as they call themselves. So congratulations, Chris, uh, Lance, as always, thanks for your time. All the callers that called in, we appreciate it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming up with the Friday night game. We're going to have everything you're coming your way from, a, uh, behind the uh, enemy lines with the, the saints beat writer over there, uh, at their, their, I think it's canal street chronicles. Uh, we're going to have another film breakdown, a couple film breakdowns, actually. Jesse James blocking is going to be one that's going to be really interesting. And then also we're going to have players to watch, you name it, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is where it's at. Make sure you check it out. We'll see you next time on The Standard is the Standard. Bye. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.